Hey everyone, you're listening to an Acts Church sermon. If you have not heard of us before, you can check us out at www.axcamus.org or come check us out on a Sunday. All right, here is the sermon. We hope God blesses you through it. When I was in high school, a long time ago, really long time ago now, uh, I was very concerned with my reputation and making sure that I didn't do anything to embarrass myself. I was not always successful at that, but it was important to me to be accepted by other people. I wanted to fit in, I wanted to be cool. This was like the early to mid 90s and so I would dress the part. I had the Doc Martin boots and the hemp necklace with some beads on there. I did it upright. I would still do, I would still wear that, but my wife won't let me, I, it's, you know. I was golden bronze tanned in the middle of winter because I would hit that tanning bed hard. All through, you know what I'm saying, Katrina? You remember that, yeah. She knows all about it. Um, I, I would, I, it was really weird because it'd be February, sun hasn't been out for three months, I'm just completely brown and beautiful. Uh, maybe not beautiful. <laughs> maybe not beautiful, but brown. Uh, <laughs> I cared a lot about what other people thought about me. That's just the way it was back then. Um, I tried to say and to do things that would avoid embarrassment and gain the approval of the other kids, the other people around me. When I was a, a junior in high school, I was really into football and I was, I was playing really well heading into that season. And it was about a week before our first game of the season, we were going to play Evergreen High School. Some of you may have gone there, but nobody's perfect. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and we were ready, to, we were, we were going to go play these guys. And my dad uh, shows up or starts showing up to football practices. Now, for most of us, we would think, oh, that's cool. What, what a thoughtful and involved parent, what a supportive parent. And you'd be right. It was very thoughtful and involved and supportive. But that is not what I was thinking at the time. Uh, first of all, you have to understand that when I say pa- Pastor Dave showed up to practice, I don't mean that he sort of slinked in quietly and reservedly and sort of just went over discreetly and sat in the bleachers and watched while the practice happened. That's not Pastor Dave. We're talking about Pastor Dave. So when Pastor Dave shows up, Pastor Dave shows up and people notice. You know that little thing he does at the beginning of uh, the church service? That's not something he's putting on. That's just how he is. He's just that guy, right? And my dad wanted to show the team and the coaches some encouragement and some good old-fashioned Pastor Dave energy. And he did. And this was when he could still move physically without intense pain um, back in the day. And, and he would stand with the coaches on the sidelines, not in the bleachers where maybe some of the other parents that came to practice might sit, but on the sidelines and loudly cheer on the team. And unlike myself, he can be very loud. As you know, I'm a pretty reserved guy and <laughs> quiet. Uh, no, we have the same, the same problem there as far as loudness. And, and you know, he'd cheer on the team, not always uh, getting the names of the players right. Sometimes he would call one guy, another guy's name and things like that. And, you know, whatever. That's Pastor Dave. He's just trying to do his thing. It was actually very loving that my dad wanted to support me because there are a lot of children who don't have their fathers around. Big problem that we have is a lot of children don't have their fathers around or they do have their parents around, but their parents are so uh, focused and busy on other things that they don't support their children. And so it was really a blessing that he supported me. But for me, someone who was overly concerned about looking cool, 
and someone who's over-concerned, overly concerned about not doing anything out of the ordinary, this was embarrassing. It was embarrassing to me. Um, you know, none of the other dads, none of the other guys' dads were coming to practice and, and you know, standing on the sidelines of the coaches with lots of energy and loud encouragement and yelling and stuff like that. And in high school logic, I don't know how many of you remember high school logic, but in high school logic, if you're the only one doing it, it is by that very reason embarrassing. You, you want to do kind of not things that like put you out of the ordinary. Um, and so, you know, it was embarrassing to me. And I went to my mom and I told her that I was embarrassed by my dad coming to practices. And, and my mom, who is, you know, very trustworthy and, and you can tell her things and, and expect her to keep a secret, went directly to my dad and <laughs> snitched me out, right? Told him, I don't know what the deal is with moms, you know, snitching, you know, uh, tattling on their sons to their dads. It's like their partners or something. I don't really get it. Um, but she told him, and it really, I probably wanted her to tell him, to be honest with you, but it really hurt his feelings. It really hurt his feelings. Uh, you know, his, his, he was doing this out of a heart for love for me and support for me is something that he wanted to do to show that he loved me and supported me. So to find out that I was embarrassed, and I wasn't really embarrassed by him, I was embarrassed by anything that was out of the ordinary at the time because I was so concerned with how I looked to other people. Um, but it hurt his feelings so much, and he was so concerned about him and not embarrassing me that that first game of the year, he didn't come because he didn't want to embarrass me. He didn't want to you know, do that thing. And that was, I mean, it was my first time starting both ways, offense and defense on varsity. It was a big deal for me. It was, you know, it was this first game of the season. It was, I had a great game. And as I looked to the stands, every time I could see that my mom was there and my dad wasn't. And I was really sad. I was really sad that my dad didn't show up, wasn't able to show up for that game because I had told him that he was an embarrassment to me. My need to impress other people had ended up hurting both my father and me. And here's the thing. You know how many guys that I played football with I'm still hanging out with to this day? Very few. Very few. Almost none of them. And either way, I'm pretty sure that they didn't care whether my dad came to practice. They weren't thinking about that. Certainly they weren't thinking about it then, and they certainly aren't thinking about it now. And even if they did care, what difference does a high school boy's opinion matter? I don't know if you know many high school boys. No offense, high school boys, but you don't know everything. Um, and high school boys' opinions aren't always worth a lot. So high school girls, keep that in mind. Um, not always the most valuable opinions. But even if they thought I was a total embarrassment, like, oh gosh, look at David, he's such a dork, whatever. Even if they thought that, the fact is they would think it for about 30 seconds to a minute, and then they would go back to thinking about the one thing that they think about all the time, themselves. You all thought I was gonna say something else about what high school boys think about <laughs> all the time. You guys. You got you sinners. Goodness gracious, I'm glad you're here today. Okay, um, no, themselves, right? Because that's what people think about. We think about ourselves. The fact was that I was worried about how I looked in front of a few high school guys, and I did not think about how my obsession with my own desire for approval would affect my own father. My father was there when I was born. He was there all my life, and is still there, still here. He's actually here today. Those guys were a very small part of my life for a very short time. But we can all fall to what the scripture calls the fear of man. The fear of man. Proverbs 29, 25 says this. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Why did I care more about how some people in my social circle felt about me than how my father felt about me? Why did I care more about that? 
I think it was probably in retrospect as I look back, it was probably because I knew that my father's love was unconditional. So I could kind of treat my father poorly and he was still going to love me. And meanwhile, maybe I'd get the approval of all these other people as well. What a jerk I was, right? But that's what fear will do to you. That's what fear will do to you. It'll make you presume upon or harm others so that you can get something that you want for yourself. What is that, the, the heart of the fear of man? Well, fear. Fear, probably pride too, but fear and fear is usually based on a lie. It's usually based on a lie. And here's the problem with fear of man. It gives other people the ability to harm you in ways that you should not be allowing them to harm you and in ways that they shouldn't be able to harm you if you're truly a Christ follower plugged into him. We've been in a, in a series called Right Side Up, a series about the Sermon on the Mount uh, that Jesus Christ taught, and it's, we find it in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. We finished chapter 5 last week. We're getting into chapter 6 this week. We've been studying how Jesus Christ has taught us to live, how he's commanded us to live. We've been studying the kingdom life. We've seen how the world and the culture of the world is upside down and how Jesus is showing us what it looks like to follow his commands and live right side up, to live right side up. And so uh, let's get into the scripture for today. We're going to be in chapter 6 of Matthew. If you have your Bibles, you can grab them now. We're going to study verses 1 through 6 and 16 through 21. I'm actually going to skip verses 7 through 15. And Lord willing, we're going to get into that in the next message in the series. Um, because I would love to hit those verses, but it would take a really long time to get through them all. And I need to keep my sermon under an hour so that you all have plenty of time to get home in time to watch your four-hour football game. I'm just saying, okay? All right, let's read the scripture passage for today. Welcome to church, by the way. I hope you guys feel loved and encouraged this morning. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they might have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Moreover, when you fast... Do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The first thing that I want to concentrate on in our study here is two words. They come up several times in this passage. They're, these are the words. When you. When you give. When you pray. When you fast. The implication is that for a Christ follower... Giving, praying, and fasting are obvious and normal acts of righteousness 
in your life. Obvious and normal facts of righteousness in your life. They're not recommended, they're commanded. When you pray, when you fast, when you give. As Christ followers, among other things, we give, we fast, and we pray as part of the rhythms of our lives. Now, for some of us, including myself, you can tell I haven't been fasting a lot lately. <clears throat> you don't have to laugh at that. That's, you know, I'm going <laughs> to hurt my feelings. For some of us, uh, they're not necessarily always a part of the rhythms of our life. And that's something I want us to think about, is that these are commands, a part of our life. As you're thinking about the rest of what we do as we dive into this, I want you to keep that in mind. One note I will make is that some people have physical conditions that make them unable to fast, unable to fast. Um, it's unhealthy for them. So if that's you, you need to go talk to your doctor. If you think that's you, that's fine. But by the way, the physical conditions I'm talking about are not that when you don't eat, you get really, really hungry. That's not the physical condition I'm talking about. That's kind of the point of fasting. So that's not, that's not going to work. Um, but we're talking about righteousness here. We're talking about things that are part and parcel of the righteous life. Part and parcel of the righteous life. You remember, remember our study from last week. The last verse we studied was this, Matthew 5, 48. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Jesus is calling us to full righteousness, to be fully righteous, to full holiness. We're supposed to be fully holy, perfect, perfect. Now, what's the temptation that we're going to struggle with when the Holy Spirit works in us and we start to become more and more righteous and we move, forgetting what is behind, we're moving towards, we're moving towards perfection. What's the thing that's going to come and trip us up? Pride, the desire to have other people see our righteousness and give us praise for it. That's what he's, that's what he's handling here. We start to feel superior. We start to parade our righteousness around in front of others so they can see just how righteous we are. That's going to be the temptation. If you guys have been around very many people who have quit smoking, okay, they were a smoker and they quit smoking, you may have noticed that some people, when that happens, once they stop smoking themselves, they start really looking down on other people who smoke. They're like, I can't believe you're still smoking. It's such a bad and horrible habit. It's so unhealthy and whatever. The other person's thinking, dude, you were going two packs of menthols a day like three weeks ago, right? And here you are, you're judging me for smoking, but that's what happens. You get a little righteousness, and with that comes a little pride, a little I'm a better than somebody else, and a little bit of look at me. I want to be noticed for what I've done, and in that, in that case of those folks, they want to do it by pushing other folks down. Look, that's the temptation. Look at my righteousness. Aren't I a good boy? Aren't I a good boy? We follow the commands of Jesus Christ, not for those reasons. We follow the commands of Jesus Christ because we follow Jesus Christ. We follow the commands of Jesus Christ because we love him, because we love God. That's why we do it. We do not follow his commands so that we can get approval from other people. We follow Jesus' commands because we love him and we want to please him. And we're told clearly in scripture here that when we are charitable and giving or when we pray or when we fast so that we can be seen by other people, to get glory from other people, that glory that we get from other people is our reward. The approval of other people, that's your reward. And what a reward it is, right? How many compliments do you need to thrive? How many uh, Facebook likes do you need to thrive? How, much, how long does that Facebook like or that compliment or that whatever keep you going? Fill your self-worth tank. Not long. 
Not long, not a good way to get yourself value and your self-worth. Jesus didn't seek the approval of the crowds. Why do you think he didn't seek the approval of the crowds? I mean, they, they loved him, right? Because he knew their hearts. He knew it was in the heart of men and women. People are, are like cats. I don't know how many of you have a cat, but I've got a couple dogs and I've got a cat. My dogs, super loyal, right? Everything to them is just the best. They're always happy. It's like, you want to do that? Okay, well, great. You know, you want to eat that? Sure, I'll eat that. What is it? Some puke? I'm good. I'm, I'll eat it. I'm, I'm, I'm happy, right? <laughs> I sit on the couch, like, they come up and uh, put their head on my, it's just precious, except for all the hair everywhere, which is just a mess because I have huskies, but they're just very loyal and very sweet. My cat is very different. She can be that way. <coughs> she can come up and you know, Tiffany and I are laying in the bed and here comes the cat jumping up on the, and she comes in, she starts purring and she lays there and she lets us pet her and we're just, Tiffany and I are just looking at her, oh, isn't our kitty, kitty so sweet and we're just petting her away and she's just being so loving until she doesn't feel like being pet anymore and then it's swipe, swipe and she runs off like a crazy person, right? <laughs> because cats are fickle, right? I can't, if I'm getting my feelings of value from my cat, oh, I'm on an up and down roller coaster <laughs> with a little kitty, okay? <laughs> they're, they're not dependable. How many one-hit wonder bands have there been that the, the people who are in those bands are now working at a hardware shop in nowhere town, West Virginia? Or if they're lucky, they're playing 80s night at the bowling alley, right? <laughs> Nothing wrong with 80s night at the bowling alley. Sorry if I've offended anyone. Or anyone who was in a one-hit wonder band, I'm cool with you too, it's all good. <laughs> What happened to all the loving crowds that used to show up? And oh, they're so great, paying 100 bucks a ticket and, and, and wanted to hear them play and they were all there. What happened to all those people? Well, they moved on, right? They moved on because the praise and admiration of people cannot be trusted to bring peace or comfort to your heart. It can't. Only Jesus can give you that. The love and affection of your Father in heaven is eternal, unconditional, and powerful. The love and affection of people cannot be trusted. So Jesus makes it clear. Stop showing off. Stop showing off for people with your righteousness. Righteousness is not about the approval of people. It's about your relationship with God. That's what it's about. So let's flesh these out, these three things out that he talks about. First, giving. Some people like to make a big deal when they give. They just do. Uh, they give to the church or they give to charity or they give to a person in need and, and they, and they want to make a big deal about it. So they talk about it. And then after that, they talk about it. And then later they talk about it some more. They just make a really big deal. They want the praise of people. They want other people to start talking about, did you hear that so-and-so gave this big gift? And so that's what they're thriving on. They want everyone to know just how swell they are. They want to make sure they're getting the maximum impact in personal praise for their money. And that's all they will get. That's all they will get is the praise of people because they've shown that their heart was not righteous. They were not giving because of their love for God and their love for other people. They were giving to honor themselves and get quick praise from others. And that's their reward, the quick praise they got from others. They're a one-hit wonder giver. That's where they're at. Jesus says this, that so we read, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Now that's pretty private. 
Don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. My left hand is nosy, right? It's going to know what's going on with my right hand. I mean, not really. My hands aren't people. But, and he's not talking about literally not letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing. He's saying that it should be so secret that it should almost be a secret even to yourself. That's how secret it should be. If you're making a big show of your giving, you're simply not giving primarily out of a love for God. You're really giving primarily out of love for yourself. Don't look for public praise from giving. Give from the heart because you love God and let your righteousness between you and your Father in heaven be your reward. One of the things I, I really love about this local expression of the body of Christ here at Acts Church is that I, I don't see a lot of selfish giving. I don't see a lot of selfish giving. There are people who have given large gifts financially to Christ's church and to missions and to other ministries, and no one knows about it. I'm actually going to read their names here so they won't get any rewards from heaven. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The fact is, I don't know what you all give. I don't know what you all give. And no one at Acts Church in my four years of pastoring here has ever tried to gain favor with me or influence in how the church goes or whatever by telling me what they give. It's never happened here. No one's ever said, well, I'd really like the carpet to be green and I do give blah, blah, blah. No one's done that. Not one time ever. And that's amazing. And I want to thank you all for being good givers and having good heart attitudes about your giving. That shows a maturity and a love for Jesus that's real. And just so you know, if you did come to me to try to gain favor or, or influence because you gave a lot, it wouldn't happen. Because that's between you and God. It's not my thing. And giving isn't about getting favor with the church or favor with other people or favor with me or whatever. It's about you and Jesus. It's about an outpouring of your love for Jesus and for other people. It's about seeing the gospel be spread. That's what it's about. And so I thank you for being the way that you have been. And you should give generously and sacrificially so that we as a church can be used by Christ as his body to bring the good news of life and peace with God through Jesus. That's what we do it for, not for any other reason. You should not give for the praise of people because you have a fear of man and you need people to think that you're great. And let me just help you out. If you struggle with that, with the fear of man, I want to help you out right now. You ready? I love you. The people in this church, they love you. And guess what? It's not because you volunteer a lot. It's not because you give a lot of money. It's not because your prayers are the best or your fasting is just lit. Okay? Is that a thing? Did I say that right? All right. Lit, lit fam? I don't know. All right. I'm old, okay? That's not why we love you. We love you because God loves you and made you in his image and likeness. And there is nothing that you can do to lessen that love or to increase it. It is without measure. It is unconditional because it comes from God. Knowing that, you do not need to fear men. God loves you and he uses his church to love you. I'm not saying nobody ever fails at that. I'm just saying Jesus' love for you is without measure unconditional, powerful. You have no need to fear other people, to need their affection, to need their love, to wake up in the morning and go, I hope I get built up today or I'm going to be depressed tonight when I go to bed. That doesn't need to be you because you're in Christ. 
And I love you and these people love you because Jesus loves you. So when you come to church, show up for Jesus. Not so that you can check something off the box or at least these people saw that I was in church or at least they're not going to call me because I missed for a couple weeks, which we do. But not because we're, we're counting your righteousness, because we love you. We want you to be here with us, so show up for Jesus' sake. Pray to your Father in heaven for his sake. Fast for his sake. For devotion to him. Don't worry about our opinion or anyone else's opinion. Worry about your relationship with Jesus. Jesus tells us to pray privately. Not to be seen by men. Now this would have been a bigger deal uh, or a more, um, it would have hit them a little harder, I think, in, in Israel in the first century when Jesus was giving this Sermon on the Mount. Of course, he's still giving it to this day, but when he was, when he was literally giving it, those folks there would have been used to a, a system where they go to the synagogue and somebody would be, you know, the person that would pray that week, and they'd come up and they'd pray, and maybe they wanted to do it better than the, than the, fo- the fellow who did it last week. And so their prayer was a little more flowery, a little more ostentatious, a little louder, had a little more rhythm to it, whatever. And then the next person will be like, well, I want to do it better than that because I want people to come. Oh, what a great prayer, brother. What a fantastic prayer. Or there was a certain time of day where they might pray and wherever they were doing, they were on the street, they'd just stop and they'd face the temple and they'd start praying. Now they could pray quietly to themselves or they could be like, oh, and do their whole big thing, right? And so that was what was going on here in this culture, in this, in this uh, place. I don't see that as much. Most people actually don't really like public prayer. In fact, the introverts are probably writing this verse down right now. So that when I ask them to pray in public next time, they go, no, Jesus doesn't want me to. <laughs> Don't, he said, pray in private. I'll go in my room and pray. That's probably how some of us are. But the, the principle is this. Don't pray or do anything so that you can gain the praise of others. Don't do that. Don't do that. Pray because you want to talk to God. Because you want to communicate with God. Praying in public isn't really the issue. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. If you're praying so that people will praise you for your great prayer, that's a problem. If you're praying so that other people will hear what you're saying and think that you did a good job, then you're really praying for them, to them, about them, whatever it is. Your prayer is not about God, it's about them. You definitely should be praying in private every day as part of the rhythm of your life. You and God, right here, you and God, pouring out your heart to him. D.A. Carson says this, you should be praying enough that your prayers in public are just an overflow of your prayers in private. It shouldn't be a show that's being put on. They should be genuine prayers. Genuine prayers are communications with God, not with the people around you, Right? If what you're really doing is trying to impress people who will praise you for your fantastic prayers, you're not focused on praying to your father. And if you're not talking to him, why should he answer you? You have your reward. You have your reward. Lord willing, we're going to study more deeply about what Jesus is commanding about prayers. We come back to those verses 7 through 15. But for now, it's important that you understand that our prayers are about a heart for God and not about praise from other people. So what about fasting? For those of us unfamiliar with fasting, fasting is when you go for a certain amount of time without eating. It could just be a meal. It could be uh, a a day, or it could be a number of days, even up to 40 days. Jesus fasted in the desert, in the wilderness. Um, But the thing about fasting is, 
It's really uncomfortable if you ever tried it. Most of us like eating and do not like being hungry. Believe it or not, that was the same at the time that Jesus was speaking. They liked eating and didn't like being hungry either. But at that time, fasting was more of a part of the culture where it would be done whether either the whole nation would fast for certain reasons, people would individually fast for, for relational reasons with God and growing in him and so on and so forth. Um, but it was, it was you know, a, an act of righteousness. And so what some people would do is when they fast, they wouldn't take care of themselves. They'd be all stinky. Their hair, their clothes are all disheveled and their hair is whatever. They're throwing ashes on their head and they're, oh, what was me? I haven't eaten in however long because I'm so holy. That was what was going on. And it had the effect it was intended to have. Everyone knew that that person was fasting. And of course, that was their hope, that everyone would know that and that they would all think that this person was so righteous. And they had their reward, that people thought that. We bought a, a treadmill recently. I know, I know, I don't look like I need one. But we got one and uh, I was using the treadmill and I was sweating. I mean, I was sweating like, I don't know, like a fat guy with a sermon on fasting, something like that. Uh, anyway, I was sweating a lot, and I knew that for me it was good to work out. Just by itself, it was a good thing for me to be working out. But I wanted to have the maximum possible impact for myself. So after I was sweating really hard and I worked out, I went upstairs to make sure that my wife, Tiffany, knew that I had been working out hard. So I went upstairs and just kind of let the glistening sweat flow, you know, and went up to her and just kind of put my face near it and like, you know, you know, boy, that was a tough workout, that type of thing. And I thought to myself, she'll see me sweating and think, oh, that is so special that my husband worked out. What a strong, handsome man, intelligent, thoughtful, beautiful, you know. Some of you know Tiffany, so you know that is not how this went down. She was unimpressed, to say the least. First of all, she saw my strategy from a mile away, right? She's like, you came up here, sweating, gross, like get out of here, so that you could get some praise for working out. That's what she said to me, can you believe that? Then she said, well maybe if you worked out more often, you wouldn't sweat like a pig by slow jogging, <laughs> slow jogging on a treadmill for 20 minutes, right? And since you're already sweating, why don't you take out the trash and clean the garage? Okay, she didn't say that last part, but she was thinking it. I'm certain. I'm certain. And she's right, right? But the bottom line is I wanted praise for doing something I should have been doing anyway. And my wife is, is just wise and wise to my nonsense. And here's the thing. God is even wiser than Tiffany. He sees through our nonsense. He sees through our nonsense. Don't tell God that you're fasting or praying or, or giving or whatever so that you can grow in your relationship with him and then go and try to double down and get praise from other people for it. Jesus is like, knock that off. Fasting, praying, giving, this is about your relationship with me. Fast and be, oh my gosh, and ashes on my head and I'm all disheveled and whatever. Some of you look like you fast a lot. I don't know what that's, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But, you know, these guys, they'd be smelling bad like a teenage boy after summer camp. You know, it was, it was bad. And he's saying, look, knock that off. Put some deodorant on. Clean your clothes. You know, make your, don't, don't make it obvious that you're fasting. You know, get up there and, and look like a normal person so that the fasting is a secret between me and you. Stop seeking praise from other people. 
And especially stop seeking praise from other people for things that you're commanded to do out of love for God. That's a really bad thing to be seeking praise from other people for. The last part of the scripture we're studying this morning says this. Matthew uh, 6, 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now there's a lot of truth to work through in this passage. It relates to what we have been studying this morning and it relates to the commands that will come after it that Lord willing we'll get to study later on. But as for what we're studying today, think about this. You are eternal. You're eternal. Your relationship with God is an eternal relationship. It's eternal. The more you are pouring in to that relationship, your relationship with God, and investing in your relationship with God, the more you are investing in eternity. When we seek the praise of other people for things we ought to be doing for God, who we love and out of love for him, we are trading the eternal for the temporal. We are trading unspeakable beauty and eternal rewards from our Father in heaven for quick approval from fickle people. That doesn't seem like a good trade. I may not be great at business, but that doesn't seem like a good trade to me. What are the rewards we get from showing off our righteousness to other people? How long do they last? They're fleeting. They're fickle. They're small. They're never going to fill your tank. Only God can do that. Sin is always about an ugly, temporary gain for a long-term pain. Sin is always about that. Righteousness is about giving up that quick, temporary gain that, lasts, that, that ends up in long-term pain, giving that up for temporary discipline and love to Jesus for eternal reward. That's the difference. We're laying up treasure in heaven. God is our treasure. Our Father is our treasure. When I let myself back in high school fear man and hurt my own father, I made the choice to sacrifice the feelings of my father, who is in a lifelong loving relationship with me, for the perceived temporary opinion of some dudes who probably did not care anyway. That's tragic. But that's what we do with God when we do this. It's tragic when we live for the praise of others and, and, and say that we need the praise of others instead of living in love with God. What does that say to God? You, the creator of the universe, who's loved me so much that you died for my sin, that you rose again, proving that you're God, the son of God. You defeated sin and death and hell for me and I'm telling you that that's not enough for me. I also need this person over here to tell me that I'm a great giver or prayer or whatever. That I look great, that I do whatever. What, is, what are we saying to God? You're not enough. You're not enough every time we seek the praise of other people. That'd be a tough thing to hear. If your friend or your spouse or somebody else was constantly telling you, you're not enough. You, know, you, tell, you tell your husband, hey, you're a handsome guy, but he's constantly seeking for other women to tell him that, or you tell your wife, you're a handsome, handsome, you're a beautiful woman, but she's clearly constantly seeking for other men to tell her that. How is it making you feel? 
if your friends are always looking for somebody else to get their approval from somewhere else, you're just saying, hey, you're not enough. It's not enough. And Jesus is enough. He's enough. It's tragic when we live for other people's praise instead of just experiencing the love of God. How can we live like our selfish desire for the praise of others or our temporary desires for sin are more important than our relationship with him, with Jesus? When you do something for your wife, men, who are married, do you tell everyone else so that they can praise you? You go around just like, hey, I was really nice to my wife. I did such and such. Hey, I was really nice to my wife so that you can get all this praise. And if you do that, how does your wife feel about that? She like that? If the main reason that you treat your wife well is to go get kudos from everyone else about how great of a husband you are or how great of a guy you are, guess what? You're not a great husband. You're a jerk. Because you're using your wife as a thing, an opportunity to get praise from other people. Now, that's weird. If the main reason that you give and pray and fast is so that other people will tell you that you're a good person, you're not being a good person. You're being a selfish hypocrite. That's what you're being. Praise God that he forgives. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, we show ourselves that we believe in him. We show ourselves that we believe in God, that he is our father and a rewarder of us when we do things without seeking the honor of other people, but are secret between us and him. That's how we show God that we believe in him. That's how we show ourselves that we believe in him. If you pray in secret and only you and God know about it, that means you believe God is real and is a rewarder of those who serve him. That's what it means because no one else knows about it. If you give in secret and your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing, it's just between you and God, it shows that you believe in him, that he is real, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If you fast in secret so that nobody but you and God know about it, it shows that you believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Everything, every sin, Every time that you're tempted to do something, that maybe nobody will know that you took that thing from work. Maybe nobody will know that you and your, and your significant other did things that you ought not to do. Maybe nobody will know in the dark at night when you get on the computer and you know that you shouldn't. Maybe nobody will know about it. And when you do that, what you say is, I don't believe that God is watching. I don't believe that God is real. That's what we do in sin. We push that aside. But when we pray, when we fast, when we seek God, when we come to church, when we, when we do things for other people and all that kind of thing, not for, not for praise, but for God, and it's just between us and him, what we show is we show ourselves that we believe that he's real. The other stuff is just hypocrisy. Hebrews eleven six 6 says this, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And that's what we show when we do these things in secret with God. Your relationship with God is yours. Now let me be clear about something. Jesus is not saying that nobody can know if you fast or if you give or if you pray. That's not the point. People are gonna find out those things. I mean, it's just gonna happen. You live with you know, your husband or your wife and you're fasting, they're probably gonna notice you haven't eaten in a few days. 
You know, it's hard to, it's hard to hide that, okay? You're not going to always be able to keep everything a secret. That's not the point. What he's telling us is about our motivation, our heart in doing these things. Our motivation cannot be for others to see us and give us glory. We need to show ourselves that we believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By having those, that, those heart motivations be about us and him. We're looking nowhere else. Our focus is straight on Jesus. Keeps our path straight and it keeps our heart right. Live righteously. Give up sin and hypocrisy and the fear of man and be satisfied in Jesus Christ and his love and his forgiveness and his hope and his peace. Don't look to anything else. And let your witness, let the witness of your life be that God has transformed you so fully that you believe in him so much and love him so much that you do not need the praise of other people. Not that you don't love other people or care about them. I'm not saying I don't care about anyone's opinion. Of course I do. I think God's given valuable things to everybody. But I don't need your approval. If I did, I would be a roller coaster. I have Jesus. You have Jesus. Live like you have Jesus and that you do not need the approval of other people. And that's the God that I serve and that you serve and that people will want to serve. People want to serve a God that you can have such a full and real relationship with that you are not constantly like everyone else in the world, seeking, 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 seeking approval. If you can show that you don't need that, people are going to be attracted to God. Jesus can use his church, his body, in a powerful way if we can be strong in him. But if we're constantly showing ourselves to not be sure of ourselves, if we're constantly showing ourselves that if other people don't give us what we need, we're going to fall apart. We're going to seek it and seek it and seek it. Then people aren't going to be like, oh, that's a God I want to serve. One that doesn't make you any different than everybody else. Still always seeking everyone else's approval. Let God transform you. This is something that we all have, part of the, part of the sin of the world. And that Jesus will transform in all of us. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let our witness be that we need God and love God so much that we love others fully but don't need their approval. It'll show you both that you love and know him and it will show everybody else that you love and know him. Thanks for listening to that Axe Church sermon. We hope you got a lot out of it. If you did, we'd love it if you would comment or uh, give us a review or give the track a like. Uh, It really means a lot to us to hear back from people who have um, heard these sermons and have been impacted by it. So share your story with us. Share what is happening in your life um, that this is speaking into. And remember, you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast so that you can get all of our releases as soon as they come out. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with more next week.